Well, this morning we're on week three of our series entitled There Are No Outsiders. Uh, we have been in Luke 15 the last couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to stay in Luke um, today, but we're going to be talking about a different story that is uh, kind of going along with our, our, our series this morning. So um, in Luke 7, we're going to be looking at a very interesting story that... Um, it's kind of one of those stories that, that we have to kind of look at some background of it and kind of understand exactly what's happening. But we're going to look at that this morning. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. We're going to start with verse number 36. And we're going to read pretty much through the majority of the remainder of 7, I believe. Let me check here. Well, I'll check in a second. Doesn't matter. But let's start with verse number 36. It says this. It says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but just hold on to that. He sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman came from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, which I think is just absolutely amazing and cool. And uh, I think sometimes we miss that. So Jesus answers his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teach. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil, olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell her, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has been shown me, so she has shown me much love. Then Jesus said to the woman, I I didn't really put that on there, but we'll go ahead and finish 48. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Father, I need you right now. Father, I can't do this, don't want to do this without you. Father, I believe very strongly that this is a special Sunday. Father, I believe very strongly that you are going to do some amazing things in the lives of these people. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would open our hearts Father, I pray that you would break every chain, every, every, everything that would get in the way right now of what your spirit wants to do in our lives. And that, Father, that we would not hold you back right now, but that we would open ourselves to you individually to hear what the spirit is saying to us as individuals. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, let's look at this story because we need to understand a little bit of it because it is a little bit different if we don't understand some of the background here that we need to understand. Now, first of all, there's obviously, and you're kind of, kind of noticing this is kind of becoming a trend with us over this series. We have basically three main characters here. We have Jesus, we have the sinful woman, and we have basically Simon, who is a Pharisee. And basically what is happening is the Pharisee has invited Jesus in to have dinner with him or a meal with him, which is a pretty big deal. Now, a lot of people think this is probably a trap that basically the Pharisee was setting up Jesus and he was going to bring him in to answer or, or basically have him answer all these questions and things like that. Now, when you would come in to a normal Jewish um, dinner party, if this will make sense to you, there were basically three things that were very common and very normal uh, acts of hospitality that would happen when you brought a visitor in. The first thing that they would do is they would give you a kiss of greeting. Okay, they would basically come in and it was a welcome. It was usually obviously uh, on the cheek and it was a welcome. Uh, if basically if you travel to countries today, you still kind of see this custom. And so basically he would come in and you would get a kiss of greeting. The next thing you would get is water for your hands and feet. Obviously they wore sandals. It was dusty. It was dirty and they were dusty and they were dirty. So you would offer them basically a, a bowl of water to wash their hands and their feet. So they were ready basically to eat. And the final thing that you would get is basically of olive oil or some type of oil to use as lotion because again it's it's one of those things that you would just do so you'd use that on your hands you use that on your face and basically it was cleaning up getting ready to eat so this was very common this was something that was normal and it was just when you brought a guest in your house this is what you did okay now these things were not given to jesus this was a sign of disrespect Okay, so we start here. So Jesus comes into the dinner party, and he is basically insulted. We have to understand that. Simon has basically not extended to him the normal things that would be extended to a guest. Now, we also look at something else. I told you to hold on to something, and we're going to jump back there real quick, where it says this. It says, it says uh, one of the fairies asked Jesus in verse number 36, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, in this custom, in this way, basically what this is saying is when you would come in and sit down, the most honored person, the best person that was there would sit down first. If you go back and you look at the original Greek here, the word structure basically says that Jesus comes in and he sits down first. Now remember, he's been insulted. He's been basically not given common courtesy. It's like somebody walking up to you and basically saying, hey, Nathan, how are you? And Nathan goes, and just walks off. He's been rudely treated, and now he is supposed to sit down last. And Jesus walks in and plops down. So this is a tense room. Okay, you got to understand, this is not a real comfortable... You ever been to one of those things where it's like everything's tense and everything's... And that's what's going on. And then, on top of all that, this woman, who we don't know for sure, but it sounds fairly... We could probably say with probably some very certainty, she's a prostitute. She hears that Jesus is there. And she goes in to the dinner party. Now remember, it's already tense. It's already kind of like, mm, yeah, this is not a comfortable moment. And she walks in. 
And basically, you have to remember, they're not sitting like we sit. And I know you've seen the picture of the Last Supper, and everybody's there, and they're just sitting there in that long table. Not biblical, not Jewish. It's a great picture, but it's just not correct. They were sitting at a table with pillows. It was low to the ground. And they usually would sit there, basically, just so you can get a visual, like this, with their feet away from the table. They would sometimes lean like this. They would eat, and they would recline on their left hand. Don't take a picture of this. Okay, I know you just did. Okay. I'll block whatever you do, okay? So that's basically what's happening. They're kind of reclining, and Jesus is eating. So his feet are extended away from the table. I remember as a kid thinking about this, like going, that is so weird. This lady's under the table, like messing with Jesus. No, his feet are away, okay? So you have to have that picture. So she comes in, and she begins to basically do the three things that Simon refused to do for Jesus. She begins to weep, and she begins to cry. She begins to wet her feet, or wet his feet with her tears. She begins to clean them off. She takes the perfume, which is obviously symbolic of the oil, and begins to anoint. Now, a lot of times, prostitutes uh, would have a perfume that they would wear on their body, and so that basically, you know, I don't need to go into detail here to make them smell better. So this was, this was almost, if this makes sense, this was a tool of her trade. This was a way that the woman was always basically saying, this part of my life, because an alabaster jar is not this idea of basically taking the cap off, pouring it out, pouring more in. It was something that they would buy sealed to, they, to use this. They would have to break it and pour it out. Her doing this, her breaking it, pouring out, it was symbolic of her saying, I am leaving that lifestyle behind. I am asking for forgiveness. I am no longer going to be needing this bottle of perfume because the reason I was using it was for doing things I shouldn't have done. Okay? So we've got to get this idea. We read, listen, let me, let me help you with this. Kind of off topic, but completely on topic. When you read the Bible, you are missing stuff. That's why you take the time to look into it. Okay? Many of you know this story, but there's depth here that we want to dig into. There's some stuff here that makes this come alive in a better way. And so she breaks it, she pours it out, and she begins to anoint his head, or, or his feet. And so he, she, she basically does the three things. Now remember, these acts of hospitality are more than just respect, they're love. And she begins to do it. She takes her hair down, okay, and she begins to wipe his feet with her tears. It was a big, big no-no for women to take their hair down. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. The first time as a husband and wife you would see your wife take her hair down was your wedding night. Women did not do this. Also, men and women did not eat together. Men and women did not talk in public together. This is, she is, listen, she is breaking all the rules. She's breaking all the rules. And so she comes in, and this is going on. It's already a tense room. It's already like, what's going on? What's going to happen? And it's already that situation. And then she comes in. And Simon thinks in his head, what is, this guy obviously is not of God. Now let's stop there for a second. What an unbelievable thing to say. He can't be of God because he's letting this woman do this. He's letting this sinner do this to him. So Jesus knows his thoughts and tells him a story. He knows his thoughts and begins to tell him a beautiful story. The woman broke all the rules. 
You see, when that happened, everybody was waiting to see how Jesus would respond. Today we're going to talk about what I want to call the spirit of Simon. Because I believe it's something that we all deal with. We've all experienced it. We've all done it. And it's something that we need to look at in our lives. Because I believe it has... I think it's major. I think it's big. And I think it's something that we need to look at together. So let's look at our notes. Point number one. The spirit of Simon is the spirit of labeling. It's the spirit of labeling. Look at verse number 39 in our text. It says, When the Pharisee, Simon, who invited him, saw this, he said to himself, "This, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Simon looks, he sees, he sees the stuff that she does, he sees the things that are happening, and he automatically labels her. He automatically sees this woman and sees nothing more than a sinner. Now, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know how the Pharisees see sinners. They see them as either you're holy or you're not. There is no middle ground. And she looks at her and he sees sinner and he labels her as such. He doesn't see what she's doing. He, does, she doesn't, he doesn't see the response that is happening here. All he sees is sinner. When we label people, the problem with that is we refuse to see who they really are. We do it. Go to the mall. Go any place where there are people around. One of the things I love to do, and this sounds weird because it's strange, but when we go, when we fly someplace and we're in the airport, I don't like to sit there. Okay? I like to walk around. And so I'll, I'll, I'll we'll go on a flight someplace and, and I'll just walk around for two hours because I just enjoy that. And I look at people and I watch people. I watch kids and I, I just enjoy that. But you know what I do? I label people. I look at somebody and so say, he's in a nice suit. He must be headed to a business meeting. He looks good. I see a mom with a three-year-old, and the three-year-old's going, Mah! and I go, boy, that mom needs to work on it because obviously she's not a very good mother because that kid just pulled the fire alarm or something like that. We all do it. We all do it. We look at people by the car they drive, the clothes they wear, the way they talk, the school they've went to, and we label them. We think we know them. We think that we can basically judge a book by its cover. And that's exactly what the spirit of Simon is. It's looking at someone and making a judgment call based on facts that you don't have. You see, the fact that Simon could not see past who she was made him not be able to see what she was doing. You go, Aaron, is this really this big of a deal? Absolutely it is. And we're going to see why in a minute. We're going to go into a little more depth in a minute. But the spirit of Simon is the spirit of labeling. It's the spirit that says we look and we don't see what the person is doing. We see who the person was. And that's dangerous. Because as a church, as an organization, we need to understand that if we don't want outsiders, we're going to have to look at people for where they are now, not where they've been. Now, we've all messed up. We've all done things. We can all rejoice that God saved us from those things. We can all rejoice that God is in the process of restoring us and doing those things in our lives. 
But one of the things that just drives me up a wall is when people come to me and they say, well, it's so great that so-and-so is coming to church. Yeah, it is. It's so great. Oh, it's so great that they're starting to get their life put together. Oh, that's great because that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. Hey, did you know what they did last week? Let me guess. They were human. What a sad state. This is a Pharisee. This is someone who's supposed to know better. Remember, in our stories that we've talked about, we see three main characters. We see Jesus, we see the lost or the sinner, and we see the Christian. And the Christian should know better. But instead, the Christian looks at the individual and says, she doesn't look like me, she doesn't dress like me, she doesn't act like me, and therefore I am going to label her as an outsider and I don't want her here. She doesn't belong. Oh, that Simon. Oh, that Simon. How could you? I'll only speak for myself. I'm a lot more like Simon than I wish I was. And sometimes it's innocent. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I look at people and I don't get to know them. Instead, I use all this other stuff that just really doesn't matter. I want you to think about it in your own life. Have you ever had that situation where you look at somebody and you make a judgment call and then you actually get to know them and you realize they are nothing like what I thought? I want to tell you a story, and I, I, I just want to tell you this because I think it, it illustrates the point. I'm not trying to, to, to say something negative about a certain age group. Please understand my heart here. I just want you to understand this because this can happen all throughout. I had, a, I had a relationship with a guy back in Albuquerque, and he was an older gentleman, and he was awesome. And I loved him. Still do. And he and I were talking. And we had a relationship that we could really be open and honest with each other, which was awesome. And he would share things, and I would say, well, that's great. I don't, I don't agree with you. Or I would say things, and he wouldn't agree with me. But it was just an open relationship, and it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was what I believe God wanted to do. And there were times where he sharpened me, and there were times where I sharpened him. And we were having this discussion. And, and, and again, he was, he was, I believe, I think he's in his 90s now. Not age important, but just, I'm just trying to give you some background or some, some understanding. And we were talking, and he said, he said, Aaron? I said, yeah. He said, I don't believe I could have someone lead me in worship that had tattoos. Now, obviously, I don't have that problem. And I appreciate, please understand, I appreciated his honesty. I appreciated that situation, and I just looked at him with all the love that I could muster, and I would say, I said his name, and I said, that's sad. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you're letting exterior cloud your judgment. You're letting a label decide something for you. I said, look, I said, there's people I don't want to lead me in worship too, but it has more to do with their heart than anything else. And we had a really good talk. It wasn't about convincing him in that moment. It was about us growing together. And it was an awesome moment. But we can't be like that. 
We can't look like that. I, I, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I would look different for all the other youth pastors. You know, I wouldn't wear the skinny jeans because that's just not something I'm going to do. And I would say, well, you're not relating. You're not relating. I'm like, I don't want to relate in that way. But don't label me because I won't. And I won't label you because you do. We have to understand this. The spirit of Simon can destroy. The spirit of Simon can bring division and destruction. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that that is the situation. Simon did not see the woman as she was because he looked at her as she had been. Listen, if you got notes, which I know some of you do, some of you don't, Humor me. Write that down. Write this down. Simon did not see the woman as she was because he looked at her as she had been. What is she doing? She is pouring her heart out. She is loving on Jesus. She's basically in a lot of ways. Why why does Jesus say your sins are forgiven? Do you ever think about that? Why did he do that? Why? Because she is repenting in that moment. She is breaking. That jar being broken is a symbol of her saying that life, I am breaking away from that life. And I am now totally and completely giving myself to you. That's why Jesus forgives her. Because she's repenting. He misses it. Simon can't see it. It's right in front of his face. It's one of the most beautiful things that ever happens in this world when a dead thing becomes alive again and he misses it because all he can see is all she's messed up as. You ever had somebody that in your life, that in your life? It's like you can do everything right. You can do everything. And they'll find the one thing that you didn't do quite right. I have a saying for that. I'll say this. I'll say it wouldn't matter if that person. Why? He said it wouldn't matter if you gave them $10,000 in $100 bills. They'll be mad because you didn't give it to them in 10s and 20s. He refused to see the most beautiful, most amazing moment as that woman went from death to life. And all he could see was her past. All he could see was that in his world, she didn't belong. So I got some questions we're going to ask. Two questions. The first, is the spirit of Simon alive in my life in regards to others? Look again at verse number 39. Oh, we lost it. No problem. If you got your notes... Is the spirit of Simon alive in my life in regards to others? Chapter 7, verse number 39. uh, The second part, it basically says this. It's very simple. He just says, she's a sinner. He says, when we label others, we have to understand this. We limit our vision. When we limit others. Oh, there it is. Thank you, guys. When we limit others, we limit our vision. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we do that? Is the spirit of Simon alive in us? Is the spirit of Simon alive in us? And it can be lots of things. It can be lots of ways. We can look at different types of situations where somebody lives or their dresses. It doesn't matter. But when we look at people, what do we see? Do we see the label that we give them? Or do we get to know who they are in their heart? You see, I love the story of Samuel going and he's going to anoint the next king of Israel. And he goes and he shows up and Jesse gets all of his sons and they're tall and they're handsome and they're strong. And he looks at him and he sees the outside and he goes, oh, this guy. Which is so strange because he did the same thing with Saul. Remember Saul? Saul was taller than everybody else. Saul looked the part. 
One of the things I love about the scriptures is a lot of times God uses the person that doesn't look the part. He's not the person you choose. I love that God chooses the misfits. I love that God chooses the person that's hiding in the wine press to, make, to be a judge and do an amazing thing. I love the fact that he uses the guy that killed somebody and then ran off to the desert and finds himself by a burning bush and basically looks at God and says, I can't go, I can't talk. And God says, no, 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 I, I want you. And so Samuel goes and he looks at the sons and, and, and God says, nope, nope, nope. Nope. And God speaks to Samuel's heart and says, listen, listen, man judges, man labels from the outside appearance. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. And so his response is this. Do you have any more sons? And what's his father's, what's David's father's response? Yeah, we got the runt. Who's out tending the flocks, which is the job you didn't want. Yeah, he's out there. You mean get him? I mean, I know you said all my sons, but, but that one? Yeah, that one. And he comes, and he brings him in. And God says, that's the one. You see, labeling clouds our vision. Labeling keeps us from understanding. And listen, I, you need to understand this right now. If we are going to be the family that I believe that God has called us to be, you're going to have to get past surface stuff. You're going to have to get past that because you're not going to know people that way. You're not going to have a close, intimate relationship with people that way. If you're just going to look at people and you're just going to see what they look like, then that's going to be a problem. The spirit of Simon will rob us of intimacy. It will rob us of understanding. It will rob us of understanding who people are and what they are. Listen, no one here is perfect. No one here is in a situation where they can stand on their pedestal and say, look at me, I am awesome, I am perfect. It doesn't work that way. We are all working through stuff. We are all coming to that place where God is restoring us, and that's a beautiful thing. And we need to stop looking at people's past and stop looking at their mess-ups now to look at who they are and who God is forming them to be. When I look at my son, I don't look at him and say, he's going to be a four-year-old four for the rest of his life. I know he's going to grow. I know he's going to mature. And that's why I look at him and I hold him in my arms and I say, I'm proud of you. You can do this. You can be whoever God's called you to be. Can he do it right now? No, he's four, but he will one day. And I know that and I believe that because I can see past where he is right now. Can you? And here's the easy thing. It's easy with your kids. It's easy with your spouse. It's easy with your family. Can you do it with strangers? Are you able in that moment to look past who they look like? Because here's the thing. I believe with all my heart, there are going to be people that walk in this door and you're not going to be comfortable with them here. And you're going to come up to me and you're going to say, oh, did you see so-and-so? I'm like, yep. Well, but they, yep. But shouldn't we? Nope. You mean you want them? Yep. But they don't know Jesus? Yep. But they did this? Yep. Hospital. Not country club. Sick people come. It is okay to not be okay. And that's for us too. We don't have to come in here and act like we got it all together. Because you know what? You don't. I don't. You may have had a better week this week than last week. But you know what? You don't know what's coming. It's okay. But we're not going to label each other. 
We're not going to look at each other and just see past. We're going to be open. We're going to have our eyes open. We're going to look at people's hearts. Is that going to be easy? Nope, it's not. Is it going to be hard? Yes, it is. It takes more work, more time, more effort. But we're going to do it. The next thing, number three, is the spirit of Simon alive in my life in regards to myself? In regards to myself. Look at Proverbs. It says this in chapter 18. It says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 15, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The tongue is powerful, folks. It is life or death. It is life or death. We tend to forget that. Or we tend to remember it when we talk about others, but we refuse to do it when we look at ourselves. We refuse to look at it. And so instead, we speak death over our own life. We are a spirit of Simon to ourselves. And that's a problem. And that's an issue. Thielen, man, can I borrow you for a second? I'm going to take a chance on this. I read this this week. Come up here, would you please? I know that you're, you're brave and strong and, and stuff like that. So will you come up here? I, I, listen now, I read this uh, online. Come up here on the stage, buddy, so everybody can see you. And everybody can see that you're tall and I'm not. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> now, I read this online this week as I was putting this together. And so like anything online, we'll see how this works out. Disclaimer, Okay. But this is what I was said, okay? So here's, Thielen, here's what I want you to do. Okay. Now, I want you to be, you got you to be with, with feeling, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right here in front. I want you to put your arms out in front of you or out beside you like that, okay? Now, I'm going to come and I'm going to try to pull your arms down. And you, as a big, strong man, are going to not allow that to happen. Do you think you can do that? <laughs> Work with me, son. Work with me. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. And I'm trying. Okay, this may not work. We'll see how it goes. Now, here's what I want you to do. And I want you to, I want you to pretend but mean it. Does that make sense? You put your arms down, rest for a second. I'm going to have you put your arms out. And then three times, as much as you possibly can, I want you to say these words. I am worthless and no good. Three times, mean it, put your arms out. Mean it. I'm worthless. Louder. I'm worthless and no good. Say it again. I'm worthless and no good. Say it again. I'm worthless and no good. Thank you. They did a study. And that study basically said, I love, I love science. I'm not good at science, but I love it. Because I look at science as what it is created by God to show God. Science and religion are not in opposition. They work together to show the glory of God. And they actually did a study. And I love when they do studies that prove God's word. And they did a study and they said, basically, when you speak negativity over your life, when you speak negative things about yourself, there is literally a chemical that is released in your brain that makes you physically weaker. Listen, I didn't know that was going to work. 
I just trusted the internet, which is usually a bad idea. <laughs> okay? So thankfully that worked. But just think about what just happened. He spoke three times, I'm worthless and no good. And in just 30 seconds after he was, and you saw me, I was pulling on him. And I couldn't get his arms down. I immediately, he immediately went down. You see, one of the greatest outsiders we can create is when we make ourselves one. When we speak negativity over ourselves. When we allow our tongue to bring death and curses instead of life and blessing. Listen, you need to understand this. What you say matters. What you say about others matters. Not to get too personal, but what you say about me matters. What you say about your spouse matters. There is power in our words. The Bible is very, very clear. And why is the spirit of labeling so important? It's because it brings death. It brings weakness. It brings us to a place where we refuse to see not just others the way God sees them, but ourselves. Have you ever looked in the mirror and seen yourself and go, God, how could you love that? Because I sure have. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not. And we are just speaking death. We're just speaking labels. We're just speaking these things over and over and over and over in our lives. And it's making us so weak, we can't hardly stand up. It's changing who we are. We're letting the spirit of Simon make us outsiders. We have a situation where we psych ourselves up so much that we refuse to let God do something in us because we think, how could God love this? I've been there. And it's hard. So here's what we're going to do. John, worship team, if you guys want to come on up. I really wanted to end a little bit early because I really believe that God is going to do some things. And John, if you, you know, you just play a little bit, it'd be great. I don't do this all the time, but I really felt like this is what, how God wanted us to kind of close the service. So, at this moment, can you do me a favor? Can you just close your eyes? Because I just want you to focus. The worship team's coming up, so you don't need to worry about them. They're just going to play something real nice and quiet, and we're going to talk. When I was a kid, when there was something we had to deal with, mom and dad would call a family meeting. Only, you know, And that was a special time where we could get together and discuss an issue or a problem or even something great, you know, something, maybe a place we were going to go on vacation or something fun. And I just feel like, as I was praying this week, that God was saying, you need to have a family meeting. And I'm not naive to what people go through, because I've gone through some of it myself. But I want to ask you a couple questions. In regards to others, do you have the spirit of Simon living in you? Do you look? Do you see? Do you see the labels? 
when I was in high school, everybody had a label. They were this, they were that, they were a jock, they were a prep, they were, they were the, you know. We labeled them so we could identify. But when you look at people right now, do you see labels? Do you see skin color? Do you see, do you see how much money they may make or not make? Do you see where they live? Do you make assumptions based on those things? And because of that, you miss who they really are. Is that you? If it is, we need to change, folks. We need to change. Because Jesus in this story didn't see a prostitute. He saw a daughter of the king. I love what Jesus says. She loves much because she's been forgiven much. She understands. And here's the bottom line. You need to understand. That's all of us. We have all been forgiven much. We don't need to be like Simon. We need to be willing to look and see deep in people's hearts. And secondly, do you have the spirit of Simon in regards to yourself? Do you have the spirit of Simon in regards to yourself? Do you speak those things over you? Do you look at yourself and and just beat yourself up? You look at the world today, and, and, and honestly what I see, and I mean this both both spiritually and physically and emotionally, we, we are a world of weak people. And I don't mean that as a negative as far as like, oh, how could they? I'm just being the truth. We are weak people. We are weak for many reasons. But I think we are weak because we have begun to believe the lies of Simon. We've spoken them over ourselves and we've allowed other people to speak them over us. And so I truly believe with everything that I am that God desires to do some healing this morning. That God desires to take some labels and throw them in the garbage where they belong and give you a new name. Because I truly believe there are some of you and it has been years and years and years that you have been labeled as a failure. And God says to you this morning, that is a lie. And that's not who you are. And that's not how I see you. Some of, you, some of you have been labeled a mistake. People that you love have looked at you and said, you were a mistake. And God is here to tell you, you are here this day to be told by your heavenly father, that is a lie. And it is not true. And that he loves you. There could be, I could, I could go on and on and on. Some of you have been told that you've been, you are worthless. That you aren't worth the dirt you're standing on. And the God who loves you, who gave his son for you, is telling you right now, that is a lie. And it's not true. And we have allowed the labels of Simon to cloud our vision of who God has created us to be. We have allowed the lies of Simon to say we can't do this or we can't do that. We're not smart enough. 
That's another, some of you, you've been told you are stupid. You had somebody that you loved or somebody that you didn't love. Somebody came up to you and just said, you are stupid. You are so dumb. And God would say to you this morning, that is a lie. And that he loves you. Some of you would say, you've been told you've been ugly. You've had people say, you're ugly. And I'm here to tell you, God is here. And he is saying, that is a lie. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. And in this moment, I truly believe that God wants to come and he wants to remove those labels. He wants to get that crud out of your life and out of your mindset. He wants you to stop labeling others. He wants you to stop labeling yourself. He wants you to stop believing those things that have been become literally a part of who you are. God desires in this moment to do some surgery and to go in deep inside of you and begin to cut out those things that are lies and that are not of him and instead fill you with his love and his grace and his mercy. He wants you to know that you are precious to him, that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He will always be there. No matter how far you run away, God will always be able to reach out for you. But you cannot get healthy. You will not be all that God wants you to be if you believe the lies of man over the truth of God. And today, right now, it is time to put those labels down. It is time to offer those to God and say, God, I'm done believing this nonsense. And instead, I'm going to believe that I'm yours. And we're going to start believing that we are loved. And we're going to start understanding that we have been adopted into the family of God. That we are no longer outsiders, but we are the ultimate insiders. And that every individual on this planet, God desires to make become that. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we do everything right. Doesn't mean that at times we can't be frustrated with ourselves and go, man, why did I do that? But we have to understand who we are. Our sins are forgiven. Our life has been changed. We have been able to understand forgiveness because we have been forgiven much. But there's lies that God right now wants to put light on. There's lies right now that God wants to hit with a floodlight of his spirit and literally dissipate the darkness. So here's what we're going to do. Nobody's looking around because it's none of their business. But it's time to be honest. It's time to get healing. It's time to understand that those things you've been carrying around, you don't have to carry around anymore. But sometimes it does take us being willing to say, Father, I need you. Father, I need help. Father, I want to let these things go and I want you to do something inside of me. And just so you know, my hand's already up. And so I don't need to look around. I don't need to look around. And I'm not going to look around. But if that's you, and you say this morning, God, right now I have been labeled, and I do not want to believe that label anymore. I want to believe the label that you have given me, and I want you to come and heal my heart. I don't care how deep the hurt is. I don't care how big it is. God is big enough to heal all wounds. And you would say, you would agree with me and say, God, right now, I give over that label to you. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Right now, just get it up. 
I don't, my eyes are closed. I'm gonna, I, I can be the only one with my hand up, and this could just be for me, and I'm cool with that. But I'm going to pray right now with that hand up. And I'm going to say, Father, right now, Father, I give my labels over to you. I give those things that were said over me that were not of you. And I say, God, heal my heart. God, when I sit there and I feel inadequate, when I feel like I don't have the ability to do it, Father, I rely on the fact that you have called me, that you have placed me here, that you have anointed me to do your work. Father, for those that feel worthless and feel unimportant, Father, I pray that you would help them understand that you look at them and they are so precious in your sight. Father, there are so many things right now, and whatever it is, whatever it is, what you need to do right now is just begin to express that to God. You need to begin to pray out to Him and say, God, Dad, right now I give over that feeling of whatever it is. Come on, folks, let's get healing. I'm tired of walking around sick. I'm tired of being the walking wounded. We're not called to be the walking wounded. We're here to get God's healing because we need it. This is a hospital. And this is letting God do what He wants to do in us. So God, whatever it is, Whatever the situation is, whatever we have believed that is alive to you, we give it over to you. And Father, we pray that you would pour in the oil of your spirit, heal our hearts, heal our lives, change us, and help us to understand that's not who we are in you. When we give our lives to you, we've gotten a new name. We've got a new label, and it's a beautiful label. And so Father, right now we give it over to you. Right now we give it to you. Right now we say no more. We will not be identified that way anymore. We will not respond. When my wife and I got married, she changed her name. She does not go by Emily Brown anymore. She goes by Emily Nash because she and I are one. We are one together. You got a new name. Stop going by your old name. It's not your name. Go by your new name. The name that Jesus has given you. The name that is, is, is a beautiful name. Because when Jesus speaks over you, he speaks beauty and love and truth and mercy and grace. That's who you are. Go by your real name. Stop listening to the labels of Simon. Let God change you. Let God heal you. Let God do what only he can do. Because God, you are good, and you are mighty, and you are strong, and you will never leave us and never forsake us. We love you. We love you.